Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey everybody, this is Go Home Bobby, You're Drunk, the podcast where we look at the first part of our life and think about what we've done. <laughs> my, my name is Justin. I was a pastor for many years. I'm not that anymore. I'm just on the internet now, reading the Bible and drinking about it. My co-host is joining me from across the way a bit. I am indeed. I'm Tori and used to be a, I don't know, I don't know if I was ever actually a Christian nationalist. I'm not white, so I think that probably just preemptively disqualified me. But I used to be a white evangelical as a non-white person. And uh, that sucked. So I dropped out. And um, yeah, now I spend a lot of time kind of hysterically laughing at the Bible. Because when you read it literally, it actually makes less sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I... Yeah, man. I know that I already mentioned this, but like our Samson episode, I was like reading it and I was, I was like in public and like trying not to fall out of my chair laughing, just like reading the story of Samson. I was like, this is, this is like detached from reality in every single way. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a big episode for us, honestly. Like that was like turning point for the podcast. That was a great episode because we were both like, this story is what so hilarious and messed up. Oh man. And that's a uh, good episode. You can go back and listen to that one yeah, if you're you can. New. Samson drives us to drink and he he does. He also uh, drove himself to drink. Yes. And and cut his hair and do all kinds of strange stuff. So uh this um this episode we're gonna talk about Moses and the burning bush, which I was shocked to learn that we have not talked about it yet. I I went through our podcast episodes a couple of times like surely we've talked about this one but we have not we've talked um, about moses yeah for sure and we feel bad not... for moses all the time yeah i mean he kind of god really bullies that guy to be perfectly honest yeah well this is the origin story of that bullying is... uh-huh yeah uh-huh. uh much like justin and i tonight the we are starting we are starting at the bottom with this yeah. story yeah so we'll get to Moses and the burning bush in a little bit. We're going to start a segment. And when I say start a segment, I mean, we may do it once. We may do it a couple of times. Not so much of this week in evangelicalism, but uh, just the, oh shit, what's happening? Like Christian mm. nationalism watch thing. It's almost, it's almost, it's, it's, this is, is this coming out before election day? Like we could, it is, we could yes. be in for a, some wild times with, with this particular segment in a week yeah. or two. Yeah. So if we to be continued, maybe <laughs> TBD, 
you know, if it's never continued again, that will mean that Christian nationalism is no longer catching our ADHD attention, which will be a good thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. buckle up, friends. In our Irreverent Media Group network, just so everyone's aware, Brad Onishi over at Straight Water American Jesus does a wonderful job covering Christian nationalism. If Christian nationalism is like the internet hole you want to go down, that is a safe place to go for some scholarly and I think maybe more legal understandings of Christian nationalism. Uh, he had he interviewed a congressman recently. Just a little plug for Brad because Brad's amazing. Friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been on before. Delightful. Delightful yes. man. But we were also just kind of thinking about Christian nationalism and looking at different books and stuff. And we ran across a gentleman, if you will, who is no slouch. He's actually wrote a book called The Case for Christian Nationalism. So really just going all in, you know, like and, you know, I I'm not going to say I got to hand it to him. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Yes, that's the best real tweet. I have I've I've been informed you do not, in fact, have to hand hand it to to them. But I will appreciate someone who just comes out and says it like isn't going to like tie it and like couch it into a book title that's like the case for making Jesus a bigger part of your life and then, you know, sneaks in the Christian nationalism. No, uh, this this guy's going all in has no website to speak of, really. But his like his book's doing real well. Yeah, somehow he's everywhere, like doesn't not he's not making a lot of sense, although he is nowhere that women are. So, ladies, this is your lucky day. You've dodged a bullet here. (laughs) Yes, yes, you've you've dodged a terrorist attack more like. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, this dude is like literally writing a book called Okay, this just this just goes back to how White evangelicals are so inherently contradictory. Like the only thing that matters is is like the end goal, right? So mm-hmm. if I am arguing for, right, if I'm arguing for banning abortion, I can, my argument can be like, we need to support, we need to support moms and babies, or we need to like execute people who get abortions. And like both of those, if the goal is abortions being ended, it doesn't matter, right? Like I can argue either way. And he is so good at this because he's literally like out here tweeting against like Christian nationalism ish kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. And like his book is coming out in a couple of days and he's out here like, you know, we don't God, what I didn't now I have to go yeah. back and so, actually read the thing. He's like, let, uh, let me, I'll just read this, this description of his book and then you oh, read yeah. this tweet <laughs> and then okay. all of our brains are going to break wondering how to put this together. <laughs> So, you know, he says evangelical elites and progressive media and the progressive media complex. I love this. Want you to think that Christian nationalism is hopelessly racist, bigoted, and an idol for right-wing Christians. Is Christian nationalism the golden calf of the religious right? Or is it the only way forward? And then he just kind of goes on about like his tour de force argument of how few people actually understand what nationalism is. Wrong. Yeah, no, no, I'm pretty sure people know. Lots of people study this every day. Yeah, Steve, calm down. You know, basically, he's he's arguing that Christian nationalism is the form of government we must pursue if we want to love our neighbors and our country. And then see, and here's the thing, like I've noticed and I've talked about it with other folks and other scholars have written about it. Like 
like when these people are doing Christian theology, and so I'm not going to say he's not a Christian, Christian nationalists are Christians, they're doing Christian theology, Mm -hmm. but they take a strange right turn at some point. And so for the most part, this is like kind of boilerplate, like progressives don't get it. People don't understand experts uses quotes, you know, like, okay, this is typical, like right wing kind of dribble. Then third paragraph, Wolf shows the world's post-war consensus has successfully routed the United States toward a gynocratic global American empire rather than the religious rights, golden calf, Christian nationalism. I is the idea that people in the same place and culture should live together and seek one another's good. But not if you're a woman continue. Have you heard the dog whistles yet? Uh, (laughs) The grace of the gospel does not eliminate our geography, our people, our neighbors. Instead, our people. It, yeah. Mm, uh-huh. It restores us to pursue local needs and local leadership freely and without apology. <laughs> so this so, is like, this is so loaded. Yeah. Like just, just these like few paragraphs. It's like, so, it's so loaded. The dog whistle. <laughs> it's going off. It's going off. <laughs> no, this is this is like this is this is this so, is an actual alarm going yeah, off. Yeah, but the, 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 not a it's, whistle. It's, it's a dog trumpet. Um, <laughs> but so so there's that. So like he's like we should basically take over America. Okay, that's his like essential argument here. Well, um, I mean, I think away I'm, from I'm the gynocratic global American global empire, American empire. <laughs> Tori's face. I'm just like, so I'm really fascinated by this. I'm really fascinated by this idea of like, we have to pursue local needs and local leadership immediately following the like statements about our people and like people of the same place and culture should live together. And so this is really interesting. I don't, I haven't read this book. I'll check it out at the library if my library gets it, which, you know, I live in Portland. So there's a large chance that it won't but i'm this is i'm tempted to say that like at least at least his framing in the way that he describes his book here on you know amazon.com kind of leads me to believe that it is very similar to the like well the first thing the first thing we got to do is we got to take over the school boards you mm-hmm. know like this like start small but like hijack all of the shit sort of sort of take to make it favorable to our people right exactly and it's like you know i'm again it's like this is this is exactly the guy who's like okay but who is my neighbor right Mm -hmm. like that's literally yeah his question right because he because the idea that the idea that christian nationalism is is the way to love your neighbor is it's religious violence that's, I mean, that's that's all that is, especially when you frame it as like the only way, like the one way, like the one true Christian. It's like now you're in like full fledged, like fucking Nazi territory. Right. Like there's only like one one way to be like an actual Christian, whatever. So, you know, in all of this, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if his framing is like we have to like start at the bottom and take everything over, because if we do that then like what's going on at the federal level won't matter. won't impact us. I don't know. Which, which is a, which is the strategy they've been using for years, decades. And, and, and they have been trouncing Democrats and the left mm-hmm. in that strategy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's worked. Cause if you take Very... over school boards and you take over local zoning boards, you get to pick your neighbors, which is really, which is really interesting because I, you know, I've, as I 
spend a lot of time reading about U.S. history and politics, it's this is this keeps coming up. This idea of like integration was a violation of white people's rights to choose like who their kids went to school with, like who lived on their street. And I'm like, you're not being very discerning if any white kid, like any random white ass family is good enough for you. Like you're not putting a lot of thought into it. Like it's still just straight up bigotry, (laughs) but Mm. it's like, it's still like my, it's still my right to like discriminate in that way because I have a right to choose like who I'm in proximity to. If I never see another black person, I can't be racist. Well, like, I mean, that's, uh huh. That is one way to solve that problem, I suppose. But that's, that's yeah, that's like a hop, skip, and a jump from final solution nonsense. And like, right, like it's not, yeah, it's just it. So, so there's that. It's it's the like we got to take it all over. But then he start. Then you get, look at this dude's Twitter feed, and it's just word salad. You know, it's him whole like don't be taken over by the gynecologist or something, but. <laughs> Which I agree. <laughs> Having been to one. Having been to many. You're don't be, get taken over. Don't be conquered by the gynecologist, I suppose. <laughs> isn't such a bad slogan. I mean, it needs <laughs> workshop. It fucking sense. It's <laughs> workshopped. But, but can you, do you have his, this weird voting rights tweet pulled up? You can go oh, the, oh, the weird voting rights tweet. Yeah. Okay. So he tweets. Interestingly, again, this is like this is like Christian nationalism is a good thing. Like get involved at the local level. Be sure not to make but his tweet says be sure not to make voting rights an idol. Jesus didn't come to give us rights in scare quotes. <laughs> he came to critique power, not to give us power, which I agree with that statement, frankly. Then he goes, you should happily give up your voting rights. This world is not your home. And again, like how 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 is it how is it the nationalism part if you're giving up your voting rights? Yeah, like I mean, I unless he's assuming there's a theocracy in place in which we will no longer vote, maybe. But yeah, there was a similar tweet right after that where he's like, I see people are very anxious about losing their voting rights, but we Christians have nothing I don't don't have a spirit of fear. Like, yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> have you met you? Our citizenship is in heaven. We must crucify our desire for earthly power. So it's like, excuse me, what? Like you just wrote, you're writing literally a manual on how Christians right. can gain earthly power. And yet you're also see, and again, I don't think either of these arguments are being made in good faith. It's mm-hmm. Tori. It's exactly like what you said. It's the goal is we take over whatever, right. whatever we can say to, make that happen even if it doesn't make sense we're just we're we're like toddlers throwing spaghetti at the wall yep. and you know we you throw enough of it it will stick and, and then this guy's backed by doug wilson i don't know if you want to get into that can of worms yeah i uh, mean he's a he's just he's a functionally a white nationalist pastor preacher author guy yeah um self-published in, in, self-published in northern idaho and uh he's given how few people have like known who doug wilson is he has like a huge amount of influence right like a decade ago the people like he was spending time with all kinds of of people like mark driscoll types and and also like fucking all the way to like tim keller types like he was all over the board and like but kind of keeping a low profile in a way. But yeah, 
So he's, it seems like he's the one who's publishing Steve's book here, Steve's Christian Nationalism Manual. There are no experts in this field because I have redefined the word nationalism. Yeah. And that's, yeah, another thing, like, no one knows what nationalism is. Like, they, you know, that's what he says. Like, I mean, I do, I, but I need to explain it to you because there aren't scholars all over the world who study nationalism. So, yeah, like, Steve, you're the only one who knows what it is. Yeah, I, I, you totally. received the message from the Lord. I mean, this is what Ken Ham does with science. Like, he redefines evolution. He redefines, you know, natural selection. He redefines, he re- redefines the scientific method. Like, you know, like Ken Ham will be like, if it's not reproducible at all, like if you can't reproduce it in a lab, it's not science. Like, like, well, that's why it's called the theory of evolution, you know, because it's a working theory. It's a model for, you know, it's based on observations that we like, like, well, if it's a theory, it's not really true, is it? I think it's more like if it's a theory, we don't have all of the information that doesn't make the information we do have untrue. Yeah. Right. Like all of the information that you have until you get to a point where like, I mean, scientific theory, it's not like a theory isn't like, oh, I wonder if, right. Like that's, again, they are intentionally redefining words. Yeah. Like I can't reproduce a sun in a lab, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure it's a giant ball of gas, you know? You know, it's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, who who can say maybe it's an angel, (laughs) you know? I mean, I mean, ha- have you been there? Have you been to the sun? Do you know? Maybe like, it's, whole... it's the fires of hell. Yeah, that's his whole Fuck like, knows. were you? That's his, were you there? That's his whole thing. Like, you know, I remember as a seven year old chanting that, like, you know, if an evolutionist what? comes up to you and says, you know, that people were, you know, evolved, you know, however many millions of years ago, ask, were you there? Like, you know, as wow. if that's like the giant I didn't know that card. that was a thing. Oh, yeah, that was a big one. That one is embedded in my cranium forever. Oh, oh, oh boy. Okay. Cool. Good shit. T- tattooed on the inside there. So, but yeah, it's just that we, if we redefine in terms, you make them mushy enough, then nothing means, I mean, anything means anything at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's happening in science, it's happening in politics. And uh, this is why conversations are so difficult too. like, just to kind of make it a little more serious as we're approaching the holidays, as you as a lot of people are going to interact with relatives that maybe just lap up this nonsense. It's hard for, it's hard to have a conversation where you can begin to agree on a baseline reality. Even if you were trying to argue in good faith with someone, even if I had an, a conservative uncle that wanted to have a genuine discussion with me, like just reaching a ground zero where we can agree on terms like that, that's, that takes longer now because like, well, now Christian nationalism is a good thing. Like, okay, let's like, how do you define that word? And that's, I don't know. That drives me to drink. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's very bad out there. So cool. Good times. So uh, certainly vote and be informed of who you're voting for. If you're in a state like mine, where we actually get to vote for our judges, make sure you're doing my, my state's Ohio, make sure you're doing extra diligence. NDAs. Yeah. Because, uh, well, because judges aren't technically supposed to be partisan. Uh, so you do have to do a little more research to figure out like who this person is, but you can find them. And, um, you know, so I would definitely recommend, you know, especially in states like that. Cause, like it is one of the few opportunities that I have to 
mildly possibly influence who sits on the Supreme Court because, you know, we get to vote for our, our judges. But, you know, like local elections, like a lot of these folks are running uncontested. And that's I don't really want more Christian nationalists in power, even if because because then they'll be like, well, you don't need to vote. Your citizenship <laughs> is in heaven. I have voted for you. Don't I worry about for it. You. Uh, sounds no good. Anything else? No, I don't. I don't like this guy. Yeah, I don't either. Don't buy his book. Get, yeah, you know, please don't. You know, get library it or. Yeah. Or just, you know, pop into like Barnes and Noble and like post up in a chair and just read it there in the mm-hmm. store and put it back on the shelf when you have to leave i don't know underline highlight <laughs> like this is my copy though yeah. i just keep it here at the I store just, i keep it here at the barnes and noble so uh you know speaking of barnes and noble we're gonna do a little capitalism break and hopefully the ad for mazda that you get <laughs> benefits you in some way we'll be back first corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey, everybody. Thanks for taking a little capitalism break with us. If you want to support the show through ways other than capitalism, you can go to Patreon and and, uh, support us there. It's just patreon.com slash gohomebible. We have some new patrons that we are going to celebrate right now. We have two new patrons this week. There is a new deacon, uh, Lindsay. So thank you so very much. Appreciate it. And we have a new youth pastor, which is William. So thank you. Thank you, William. You are going to receive a life verse. Every youth pastor tier and above, you get a life verse that is yours for for as long as you want it, which is eternity, because why would you ever want to get rid of this <laughs> verse that we're going to give you, which is again, like this is this, we're not messing around, folks. Like this is this is bibliomancy here. Um <laughs> Which is from the Lord. It is a divination method from the Lord. I'm fine not, with it. Not like the Witch of Endor summoning Samuel out of a pit. No, 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 no. This is the new. Oh, yeah, her, this is the real shit. This is the real stuff. So here we go, William, closing my eyes and trusting that something will happen. Okay. Here we go. Uh, William, I'm going to be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 28. Verse three, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it in the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. I love this verse for you. This is such a good verse. And for me as well. Amazing. So be the viper, William. (laughs) And enjoy that verse. Oh my God. That's so good. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I might get a snake tattoo now. Snake like, tattoos are great. Yeah. 10 10. Very into that shit. Yeah, I'm into that. So I, again, thank you so much to yes, all of you. our patrons and, and all of our listeners as well. Um, this has been such a a fun ride and we want to continue doing it. If we well, we have we have reached our patron goal uh for our event. Hey. Our, 
pilgrimage, if you will, to the it's a crusade crusade <laughs> to the uh, to to hold a a special vigil at mm-hmm. the grave of mm-hmm. one Antonin Scalia, uh, as well as a listener hangout. And uh, we'll try to we're going to work on details uh, over the holidays, and you know, hopefully, we'll do something in the spring. So yay. Yeah, I, I was looking at the calendar and I thought like, oh, maybe we could do it for before the end of the year, but just the holidays. And then then DC is just not fun in January in the winter? and February. Yeah. <laughs> so it might not be till Who spring. Who wants to go there? Yeah. So, uh, or we may want to do something else before then. Who knows? But we will, we we have reached our goal and therefore we will pilgrimage. Amazing. Uh, Yay. To, and reparations will be made. <laughs> in the form of disrespect just so we're clear yes we know just in case the nsa is listening (laughs) there will be no theft oh we're not we're not we're not we're not grave robbers you don't think he's got anything cool in there (laughs) (laughs) let's see now you've intrigued me (laughs) i'm assuming not but who knows (laughs) he probably had some weird thing that he wanted to be buried with it's probably some secret love letter to Ruth Bader Ginsburg or something. I could see. That yeah, and like and like a dildo. <laughs> Gifted to him by yes. one Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, Clarence Thomas is the one who's into that <laughs> shit. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> this is my dildo from Clarence. This is my lovely note from Ruth. All the things I'm gonna need in the afterlife. Yes. <laughs> oh man you assemble them together it kind of creates this conservative voltron type creature (laughs) that will fight so thank you (laughs) so good okay good you know we could stop it there we could good (laughs) show guys we will we will continue on to uh to the burning bush this is very exciting hey one of the more important Stories they told us as kids again, not sure why, except listen to God and go where he says, I guess. Yeah. So I think for a drinking game, I don't know. Anytime, anytime you just start feeling bad for Moses, I think Mm, (laughs) just mm -hmm. just pour one out for the poor guy. I think he was happy away from Egypt. Honestly, like, yeah, being, being in proximity to power when power is like at any moment can have you tortured in 75 million different ways i'd much rather i'd much rather hang out with the sheep yeah in the desert not gonna lie i feel like he was happy and so wish him a better life than he had tori do you want to lead us through this wacky story yes if only he hadn't been called by god if only you know his life would have been so much better i I am with you there moses We all know this. God's calling on your life will ruin your life. Everybody knows this. Well, the prophets like, knew this. Yeah. It, it's funny because we used to like say like, you know, I grew up in a denomination. The Christian Missionary Alliance was kind of like the church I grew up in. So big into missions and stuff. And it was kind of a joke. Like, oh, I hope God doesn't call me to some like strange, awful place, you know, like, but like, like that was a possibility that God would call you to a place that you found to be horrific. And you just had to go because, because God said so. It's like, oh, please don't call me. Don't call me to some off. Call me to like someplace nice with lots of money and warmth. 
you know, so I don't was Dubai, like be more specific. <laughs> I'm going to be a missionary to Dubai. <laughs> like, somebody's mm. got that cush job. Someone got called to that. And then someone else is like, yeah, in a swamp somewhere. Oh, can you imagine those poor little Mormon missionary boys in, in Dubai? Mm-hmm. They're having a hard time. They're having a hard go of it. Okay. I'm sure they are. Okay. So Moses. Uh, Moses. The one, the one and only. So yeah, story of Moses and the burning bush. It's in Exodus chapter three. So, you know, right near the top, Moses has fled his cushy gig pretending to be the grandson of Pharaoh. Because <laughs> that happened. Because that happens. You know, we can all relate. And so he like disappears himself into the desert as to not get himself murdered. And he is just minding his own goddamn business, which God sometimes doesn't like. Apparently. <laughs> oh yeah. And and Moses got married. So Moses is out here in in the in the wilderness, desert, what? Sinai. Yeah. The Sinai Peninsula out. somewhere. Uh it's hot. It's hot and dry is what I think we can all safely assume. So he's tending to the flock of Jethro, who is his father-in-law, who is the priest of Midian. Does not say if he was a priest of Yahweh or not. Who knows? And um, yeah, so Moses is just kicking it with the the flock. I don't even know what the flock is. Like Just sheep, goats, something. Yeah. And um says that he, on the far side of the wilderness, came to Mount Horeb, otherwise, a.k.a. Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And this is interesting because NIV says, there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. I do not ever remember being told that this was an angel. Yeah. I, I heard I, this story dozens of times. Don't ever remember it being an angel. You just kind of gloss over it. And that, and that's where the kind of the seams on the... Pentateuch start to show between oh, yeah. the, you know the like the multiple uh-huh. sources the kind of the the documentary hypothesis which was kind of these these books were kind of stitched together from mm-hmm. multiple sources and mm-hmm. this is where it's like yep that's the Yahwist or the influence and then the later the Elohist influence will start showing up and and it's not because they did a bad job it's just their priorities weren't the same like right you know yeah. it today if you're gonna linear storytelling was not really the objective yeah so they're like you know the story we have two different sources for this story let's put them together so you get the angel of the lord as well as the lord perfect who, who is it. it we don't know no one knows so moses saw that uh though the bush was on fire where the angel of the lord slash the lord stood the bush was not burning and i just Really, I had to, I had to just really quickly, right? It's hot. You're on the far side of the wilderness in a place that is known to be rather toasty. So I, yeah. I, I just had to Google like heat stroke symptoms. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the CDC says some heat stroke symptoms are abnormal mental status, such as delirium, hallucinations, or slurred speech. Yeah. So definitely not what's going on there. Just, just happens to be very similar to. Although (laughs) now that I think about it, like, I mean, Moses did like talk about his like stutter. Maybe it was just like constant heat stroke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe so. um, Well, I don't want to take that away from from folks that do struggle that way, because, you know, Moses stuttering like and still being a main character. I feel like that's that's a cool thing. Still something he struggled with. And it is interesting that heat stroke. That's cause 
third speech. Seems seems to seems. To, I mean, so does alcohol. So yeah. who fucking and, knows? And there is like there is some. You know, I looked into this a little bit about like, was he tripping balls or something? It's, <laughs> I mean, it's possible there were substances in that area that could, you know, do like ayahuasca esque, create those experiences. I mean, I don't, oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, to me, the nature of the experience where like you meet God and God tells you to do something you don't want to do and you do that, that doesn't seem very, I haven't had experiences with ayahuasca, but that, that seems a little off for a lot of psychedelics to mm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. But I mean, again, we don't know. He, this is what he saw, whether he ate something or not uh, beforehand. Can say. <laughs> yes. So Moses, Exodus. Mm-hmm. I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? And when the Lord saw that he, Moses, had gone over to look. God called to him from within the bush. It's like it's almost it, it's the language is almost that God's just like chilling there. Yeah. And it's like, oh hey, Moses is here. Hey. Like I didn't know seeing you, were you here. here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you work in this neighborhood often? I was just, um, I was just over here burning. <laughs> and so Moses being you know, again, having a completely normal one is like this burning bush is calling to him. So he's just like, here I am. And God says, don't come any closer. Very, very God thing to say, let's be honest. And he goes, take off your sandals for the place you were standing is holy ground, which it's sand, God, like Jesus Christ, calm down. And again, then God- this is like one of those like differences in the types of sources where it's like, come over here. Oh, whoop, nope. Actually, you can't. Look at me. No, don't look at me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the, I feel like it's the whole story. And, and yeah, so God then is like, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then, of course, at this, Moses hit his face because he was afraid to look at God. So, you know, it's a, it's a fiery bush, but also it's God. And you, you were can't look looking at, God, at so. God the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> and then later on, you get a peek at God's ass. Like, listen. Just saying. So the Lord, being his typical lazy ass, slothful self, goes, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. A few hundred years too late. (laughs) I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. Once again, it's been 500 years. God, like, really pull yourself together. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. People are already there, though. Don't worry. Uh, The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. So um, the good land. They've already built cities and everything for you. So you can just. Yeah, it's perfect. (laughs) It's good to go. Just come in and take it. Just needs like you just need to run like the scour option on the dishwasher (laughs) you'll be fine so again he goes the cry of the israelites has reached me and now the cry of the israelites has reached me which again was like god jeez anyway he was with his other family and it took that long to get there yeah like there wasn't much cell phone service where god was yeah it just took a while to get there signals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. signals yeah I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Which is kind of funny because it's like, well, of any random ass dude in on the backside of the desert, it would be you. <laughs> like, yeah, you lived there. Like, they actually know you. You know the language, whatever. Yeah, you um, know the languages, you know Pharaoh. Like, right. this, <laughs> who else? This guy literally was like the dude that was filling your stocking on Christmas Eve. So, like, why, why, why would it not be you? Sometimes um, in secret, you called him Papa. Like, <laughs> uh, God being always helpful and reassuring is like, I will be with you. Okay. And this will be the sign. Uh, to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you will worship God on this mountain so the sign comes all the way after the <laughs> it'll be proof that I did it because it's done <laughs> and if it's not done I didn't do it <laughs> it's like, oh it's so it's so random so then Moses of course pushes back and he's like okay but like what if I go to the Israelites and say to them the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me what is his name what shall I tell them (laughs) it's God obviously my name is God (laughs) God his name is God (laughs) we had Trevor Noah sketch where like the British are colonizing India or something Uh Like, play in this land in the name of God. (laughs) God. God. (laughs) There's only one God. God is God. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally, it's literally that. Like, yeah. Or maybe, maybe the Israelites had a lot of gods back then. So God, this God didn't feel particularly inclined to like do anything. Archaeological evidence suggests that they had many, many gods. (laughs) I mean, I mean, yeah, the, the. The things that they wrote down suggest the same. Anyway, God, of course, always being helpful, says to Moses, I am who I am. That's what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Which I am who I am, pretty baller, not gonna lie. Like that's one of the that's one of the better lines in the book. So Mm. I'm fine, I'm fine with that part, but uh it's like, what is your name? Me. I don't have any pronouns, (laughs) but my name is me. I am the uh, present tense of the verb to be. <laughs> That's what I am. Uh huh. Yeah. It's 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 just perfectly clear. They're gonna know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine Moses, you know, stoned off his ass. Like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Got it. That makes perfect sense. Totally. Gonna remember that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's an easy name to remember. Don't worry about it. God continues, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. God keeps going. Uh, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus Christ, we know you just said this. Appear to yeah. me. Papyrus is said, not cheap. <laughs> This is an expensive endeavor. I have watched over you. No, no, you fucking haven't. And have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. Okay, that that's fair. You probably saw. You weren't watching over. We have established that God has a torture fetish. Uh. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm really into this shit. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey which again it's like is that really how exciting is that really that it's like 
I'm taking you out of this land that somebody else has to somebody else's land. Yeah. But it's an improvement. It's an improvement. You you won't be slaves there. Right. You but, just have to do you just have to do some like heavy evicting. Yeah. <laughs> that's an that's the best way. <laughs> just some some heavy evicting. Uh 40 <laughs> years and wandering in the desert, you know. Oh, that first, yeah. Eating eating bird shit. Lifetimes um, of conquest. Really generations of me turning on you because you decided to not worship me anymore. It'll be fun. Because well, I me. have an attitude because I don't show up. And then when you guys are like, oh, well, forget this fucker. Then I come back and I'm like, rightfully offended. And then it's by your behavior. Then it's all chaos crew. <laughs> and I kill 3000 of you or 5000 or however mm. many thousands of people I feel like killing today. Anyway, I'm not bitter about this story at all. <laughs> so, just, the elders. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. It just the way it was framed was like this is just such good news for Moses. Like this is like mm. no, it's not, not really. Like this is this is this is a really this is like when your title gets pushed like way up and you get no pay increase. That's what this is. Yeah, you're now the senior VP. Uh huh. Does this come with volunteer a volunteer position? Yeah. yeah. No. No. You're gonna, <laughs> gonna stay at where you're at. Like, what are the benefits? Well. When it's done, you'll know I did it. Really? Like, that's that's what you're going with. Okay, cool. I mean, that's true. Isn't that true for anything that is ever done? <laughs> when it's done, you'll know I did it. Whatever. So uh, God thinks that the elders of Israel are going to listen to Moses. Moses isn't so sure. But so anyway, God tells Moses to take the elders and go to the king of Egypt and say, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and we need to take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, which this is a very strange slave situation. (laughs) They let you take three-day weekends, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. But I know the king of Egypt will not just let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. Once again, God is having a time. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. Not going to tell you what they are. Trust me. And after that, he'll let you go. So so let me get this straight. You're going to make it harder for us to leave, but you'll, there'll be wonders. Uh, and then we get to leave for, for three days. Um, I feel like this is not a good deal. Yeah, like who is coming out ahead here? God, because he gets to nap. He just gets to give them all this busy work. He's like, okay. You did the thing. Now we're going to go around the desert. Everybody get your stuff 40 times. He's Let's like a go. subpar middle manager that just read a book on delegation. Uh-huh. And he's like, so he's delegate. creating things to delegate <laughs> yeah. out of thin air. Yes. Okay. So last two verses of this chapter, I actually kind of like, because I feel some kind of a way having some ancestors who have been owned by other people. Last two verses say, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you go, you will not leave empty handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. Yeah, I'm down. Sure. Why not? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like this is that's that's actually technically reparations. Yeah, that's right. It's there in the text, folks. So apparently God's cool with it. Yeah. Slaves deserve reparations. Yeah. That's this is like all of your silver and gold and clothing. Yeah, that, that's I, I'm, I'm fine with this interpretation. 
it's a tidy it's a tidy sum just saying so that's a that's the end of of uh exodus chapter three yeah did you want to venture into chapter four god keeps going yeah i don't know that i don't know do we need to keep going Uh, this could be a whole other because this could be a whole other that is true we could do a part two here because moses you know rightfully starts asking questions i think that's like wait a second here (laughs) i feel as though you're leaving out some important details I, you know, I think maybe it wasn't Moses that was high. It was God at the time. Mm, and Moses mm-hmm. is the poor sober friend. That's like uh, I mean, trying to is, do his fucking job. This is a good idea, but maybe dial it back a bit. Uh, <laughs> you're you're just like you're just like at work, like an hourly worker, and your friend shows up like on acid. <laughs> like, oh, fuck! Like, how did you even get here? <laughs> how did you find me no because like literally the first the first two verses of chapter four moses answered what if they do not believe me good question moses <laughs> or listen uh or listen to me or what if they say the lord did not appear to you yeah i mean and the lord goes what is that in your hand yeah like <laughs> not directly answering the question at all no no not really just just you know it's all again it's all vibes it is all vibes do you want to go north or south yes that's 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 it do that yeah this could be this let's just do let's just make this a two-parter because this is some fucking funny shit in my opinion yeah absolutely and yeah i'm i think that you were right i think we were i well i think i was off base and thinking that moses was high like god is clearly the 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 high party in this particular episode yeah as having been the designated walker before for people (laughs) I'm I'm feeling for Moses here. Mm, hmm. I mean, I think like I have I have I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts because Christians have a lot of thoughts like evangelical Christians. I guess I should be specific. Have a lot of thoughts about like this this particular story. I'm, I'm like I find and I was finding all of these very bizarre takes. I guess where it's like takes that are as bizarre as the story itself. For example. The burning bush episode in Exodus provides us with one of the clearest biblical descriptions of who God is. Okay. And tell me more. It it does. How so? (laughs) Please continue. What's in your hand? Like, oh, 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 okay. Also, God, God very quickly decides he doesn't like Moses several chapters after this, which we have discussed. And I, again, that was episode two. I feel rather salty about this because I don't know. God is just, yeah. Oh, he was crashing. That's what that was. That's why he tried to kill Moses. He was coming down off of something he shouldn't have been on in the first place. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm going to murder your ass. Like I made a mistake and I'm going to solve it. in the only way I know how. Which is violence. Which is violence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's strange to like, I don't know. Like, I feel like sometimes Christian interpretations have to be this like grandiose thing. Like, yeah, th- this. Like, I thought Jesus was the clearest picture we had of God, <laughs> according no. to Christian theology. No, it's Paul. Yeah, Paul. Paul is Jesus's final form. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate it here. Yeah, like there was. I don't know who made it. There was that like one of those christian slippery slope like chick track type oh yeah things. Uh-huh. and the first step on the slippery slope was paul isn't jesus 
I was like, that's that's how it starts. Man. That's apparently that's how it starts. Uh, all 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 of this started when Tori and I decided that Paul wasn't Jesus. I mean, I feel like at some point in the past, people also the many people also agreed that Paul wasn't Jesus because Paul's words are not in red and Jesus' words are in red. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like that means somebody at some point did make a distinction between Jesus and everybody else. It it is true. So. Any other odd evangelical or Christian interpretation? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. LearnReligions.com had a very interesting little blurb. Scientists have, in which they write, scientists have tried to deny the miracle of the burning bush with various theories. Oh. Some say it was a gas plant. What? Vegetation, which emits a flammable substance. Um, this is like this is like Princess Bride level shit. Like I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> well, they're also R-O-U-S-S. <laughs> I know. Others claim the fire was called by a volcanic vent near the bush. If there was a volcanic vent near the bush, I feel like the bush wouldn't be there. Whatever. Yeah. Still others say it was merely a plant with red flowers and there was no fire at all. But the Bible clearly states the bush was burned but not consumed. Yeah. So, I mean empirically speaking science the bible says <laughs> that there was a burning bush so any any other explanation is just science doesn't I mean, make doesn't make sense because because were you there like we don't know <laughs> yes exactly exactly were you there gotquestions.org also oh had, oh, had, had, had a good this. one in which they write there were several reasons why god revealed himself to moses out of a burning bush first god reveals himself as a fire in that it is an image of his holiness Okay. All through the Bible, fire is used as a picture of purifying and uh, of the purifying and refining quality of God's holiness. I'm like, I think that fire is mainly used as proof that God is a dick because there are lots of ways to clean things that are not setting them on fire. This is further evidence when God commands Moses to remove his sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. Here, God is emphasizing to Moses the gap between the divine and the human. God is transcendent in his holiness. So Moses is not allowed to come close to him, except he literally was like, bro, come here. And then Moses later said, show me your ass. Which I mean, fair. Um, I mean, I I can't see your face. (laughs) But yeah, so got questions. Feels like this is just a very cut and dry open and closed case. Well, and uh, yeah, they got questions one like, because this is, like they emphasize like holiness involves separation. Um, like, God. yeah, we noticed that's why you left, you left everyone in, in Egypt for yeah. 430 years. But just like, but that's, it's such a strange thing that like this weird push pull in Christian theology between like God is separate. God is other. You can't touch him. Like your sin, like you'll, you'll explode in his presence, <laughs> you know, but then it's like, big. And I think that feels like a very human perspective on God when God, at least as it's explained in Christian theology, was like, actually, I just kind of want to just be a dude. <laughs> yeah, he, it was. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of a dude, you mean like a dude who doesn't take his job particularly seriously? Because <laughs> that's yeah. the sort of dude vibe I get from God. Well, certainly, yeah, the, this version of God. But like, but like when you see in in the stories about Jesus, like this is God, like just kind of coming down and vibing. So it, it's just such a strange, like, and it's just such words out, like, you know, kind of the second point, you know, God revealed himself to Moses out of the burning bush as an image of his glory. Like, 
What? It, well, I mean, it could have picked something else. And you, you don't know. You don't know. Like there, you don't know why God picked that image. Actually, it's not in the text. We don't know why. The Bible clearly says that God was in the bush. Yeah, but we don't know why. He just happened to be in the bush. He came down looking for his people. Yeah, Moses. got lost. Yeah, got lost on the way. So yeah, strange. But they just, they really tried to like push this on us. They really tried to like make it make sense. I'm assuming it's just because like, you know, God tells you to do a thing. You, you, you gotta go do it. They really kind of ignore like, at least there wasn't any tension sort of presented when I was taught this story about like the Moses sort of pushing back and, but with like valid reasons, like it was always presented as like Moses doubting God and not like God hasn't provided sufficient information Yeah, <laughs> with which I could make a decision either way. Right. So yeah, that part was sort of like left, left out. And it was just like, yeah. Moses didn't think that he could do it, but God, God showed him that he was, a nobody, but God could use him anyway or something. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that this in the text, it's preserved that like Moses asks very valid questions and, and God seems to answer them. Like there seems to be a back and forth. It's not like a shut up, just do what I say. But yeah, I remember it was always taught as like, look at Moses, you know, this is why Moses never saw the promised land, you know, like, that dude, like that dude bent over backwards for God. Yeah. And then God was, and was not allowed petty. and was not allowed to be human. Like he was, he wasn't even allowed to be like frustrated mm-hmm. or God would like flip out, you know, I, like to me, like God, God's like getting all, getting all salty. Like you broke, you broke my stuff. You have to re you have to remake it. <laughs> Seriously. Like how long did that actually take you? <laughs> because. Yeah, like, I mean, I'd hit a rock, too, if I was Moses, like, seriously, guy. I'm like, you want me to babysit these adult people who have no lived experience whatsoever for 40 fucking years. Yeah, you you're like, these people are brick makers at best. And then you want me to lead them through the desert for fun, the for shit shits. manage the shit management alone. This is literally what I think about this all the time. I'm like, yeah. there is actually no way. Like just just the amount of like human excrement, like they all would have died off rather quickly if it had been a million people, which was like you were probably told a million. I was told a million. Yeah, I was told it was around a million people. But even like I've planned outdoor events for over a thousand people. That's a lot of shit. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's just not like waste management alone, let alone feeding them. So they have something to 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 waste. Um, (laughs) It's. Like, where are you getting all of your water? Who is doing sanitation? None of these very serious logistical things are being addressed. But they survived on quail shit. <laughs> quail, quail shit and honey? Is that, is yeah, that how quail, the I mean, saying goes? Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll we'll return to this story next week and all the odd interpretations uh, that come from it. I just, I, 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 the more I read the Bible, the more I feel bad for Moses. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah, for real. I mean, anybody that has to work that closely with God, I feel pretty bad for. I I got out at the right time. Yeah, he's a bad boss. God is a bad boss. He's a bad dad. It's quite he's a bad employee. (laughs) He's a quite quitter. Yeah, for sure. So thank you all for listening uh, this week. 
If you want to catch us during the week individually, we're on Twitter typically sometimes. And then sometimes we just take random breaks for no reason, uh, as everyone yeah. should for their own mental health. But if you want to follow us uh, at Tori Glass uh, for Tori, um, at Justin D. Gentry for myself, you can also follow us, the podcast itself on Instagram and Twitter at Go Home Bible. If you can, uh, we'd love uh, to have you as a patron, patreon.com slash go home Bible. You can get access to our Discord server as well as a, a couple other fun things. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for more of Sad Moses. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll see everybody. <laughs> Bye. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.